The name is Sean. Who am I? <laughs> Just a schnook. Hi, everybody. This is Sean. And uh, thank you for listening to this additional off episode of Autobiography of a Schnook, Appendix 2. I realized that I just put out an episode and kind of went out without really much mention of Christmas. It was just kind of a rush, but I couldn't go through without doing something about Christmas. And this isn't going to be too long. I like Christmas. I just wanted to share some thoughts um, and whatever else. This is totally unscripted. Uh, most of my episodes are actually scripted. This one is not. There's no layout, no nothing. So I'm just going to ramble for a little bit, I suppose. But as I record this, I am taking a break from doing some housekeeping. And uh, my mother-in-law will be coming in from New Jersey tonight to spend a few days with us for Christmas. So we're getting ready to leave for O'Hare International Airport. Usually it would be Midway International Airport, but the thing is, uh, my wife and I and my mother-in-law, we love using Southwest, but the problem is they no longer service Newark Airport, which meant that my mother-in-law's options were either to drive out to Philadelphia, which she didn't really relish having to do, trying to find somewhere to park, or going to LaGuardia, which from her place at the Jersey Shore is just not a reasonable ask. She actually looked into having a, a shuttle service take her over there, and I think round trip, like going to LaGuardia and then coming back from LaGuardia after she got back home, would have been something like $400, partly because of all the tolls and, of course, just the fact that you're going to be stuck in traffic forever. So, yeah, and she's like, okay, I have to take United instead, and she's not really happy about that. Uh, but, hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I might be wrong about this, but I have a theory that, uh, well, Terminal A at Newark, which is a dump, it is such a dump. That's where Southwest operated, but Terminal A is going through some remodeling. And if they did to Terminal A what they did to Terminal C, then it's going to look absolutely gorgeous. But I have a theory that Southwest only pulled out temporarily, and then when Terminal A reopens with its new look it'll be back or it'll be back soon after that. That's just a theory. I have no inside information on that. I'm just guessing. And my wife actually at the same time came up with the same theory, but I've been feeling pretty good this season. Uh, part, partly it's because of where I live because Chicago and the surrounding area, they do Christmas so well, they really do. And also because I get kind of stingy with my paid time off. I try to hold off on taking more than the days off than what I need for going on trips and stuff so I can just bank them up for the end of the year. I kind of use my wife's birthday as the model that I go by. Elisa's birthday is December 21st. And I make sure that once December 21st happens, I do not work again for the rest of the year, if at all possible. This year it was possible. Well, it helps that her birthday fell on a Saturday this year, and she already had an idea of how she wanted to celebrate it. Uh, first of all, she wanted to see the new Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker, so she bought tickets well in advance for December 21st, so I'm recording this on the 22nd, so I just saw this movie about 15 hours ago, 
And uh, my wife and I, we're not Star Wars fans. We're not. We like Star Wars, but that's about as much as it uh, goes. We saw episodes four through nine in the theaters when they first came out. And the thing about that is you can kind of tell we're not Star Wars fans because we loved episodes seven through nine. And most Star Wars fans, from what I gather, don't. <laughs> Actually, I, I have been encountering a lot of Star Wars fans who are very happy with uh, The Rise of Skywalker, so at least there's that. But I remember we went to see The Force Awakens probably two days after it came out in theaters. My mother-in-law had wanted us to hold off on seeing it until she came into town for Christmas, but Lisa didn't want to wait, so we went and saw it. And we were just stunned. We loved it so freaking much. And we just basically pretended we didn't see it. So we had to feign when we were in the theater with my mother-in-law, not knowing what was going to happen next. And the thing is, we found it wasn't too hard because even though we knew what was coming, we still had the same reactions, the same natural reactions, because we thought it was done that well. And we saw um, The Last Jedi in the theater. I think my mother-in-law was with us that night. Uh, Lisa liked it, but not as much as she liked The Force Awakens. I loved it more than I liked The Force Awakens, actually. And then last night we saw The Rise of Skywalker. My mother-in-law wanted to see that with us, but Lisa said, no, I'm not waiting this time. But if she pushes the issue and says, I really wish you would have waited, then I will have no problem going back to see it again. It was just, I loved it that much. And yeah, I'm not a Star Wars fan, but that movie might just push me over the edge. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that, because I don't want to spoil anything. But hey, what else are we going to do? Uh, see cats, maybe? <laughs> and I said that Chicago does Christmas right. And uh, let me tell you about one way Chicago does Christmas right. Uh, this applies to my wife's birthday. Again, we were going to go see the new Star Wars movie in Evanston. And, well, the Chicago Transit Authority does what they call the holiday train. Well, they also there's also a holiday bus, but uh, what they do for the holiday train every year since I think 1992, some staffers from the Chicago Transit Authority on their own time would just deck out a train and make it all Christmassy, like have uh, fake advertisements on the ceilings for uh, non-existent businesses in the North Pole. They'd reupholster the seats with uh, like reindeer fabric and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, Chicago transit trains have upholstery. That would never work in New York in the subway. And there's an open car on the train that has Santa Claus on a sleigh. I feel so bad for Santa having to ride that thing because it means he has to go through the subway, which uh, the uh, subways in Chicago are not the most uh, clean things. I can, I can imagine he probably gets some kind of like some kind of nasty infection from that. But it's a really, really cool thing. They pipe in Christmas music in all the cars. They have volunteers working as kind of uh, conductors in all the cars. They hand out candy canes and announce the stops. And the Chicago Transit Authority releases a schedule, usually around Thanksgiving, as to when the holiday train would be making an appearance on different elevated train lines, the Chicago L. And there's no special admission for it. It just runs like any other scheduled service. And it just happened that the holiday train's final run was on the red line, which is the CTA line that we live by. And the timing of it would be a perfect coincidence with our night out. So 
we did that. And the red line, by the way, for those of you not familiar with Chicago and its transit, the red line is possibly the main mass transit train in the city in terms of like subways and things. It's part of the L system, L short for elevated because, well, most of the tracks are elevated. It starts off all the way in the far south side at 95th Street, and it runs right along the Dan Ryan Expressway, which is, uh, long story short, Interstate 90 from, I don't know, about 95th Street-ish all the way up through the middle of downtown. Well, it doesn't go through downtown, it goes just a tad bit west of downtown. But anyway, the red line goes in the middle of the expressway from 95th, and then when it gets to Chinatown, which is at roughly 22nd, 23rd Street, it becomes elevated for just that one stop. And then when it heads north, it dips down into the subway, and it stays subway until it gets to the near north side of Chicago, and then it pops out right before the Fullerton stop on the north side. And the Fullerton stop is right smack dab in the DePaul University campus. And then it's elevated from there all the way to its northern terminus, which is Howard Street. And Howard Street is generally the north border of Chicago. And once you cross the street on Howard, you're in Evanston. So what you'd normally do to take mass transit from Chicago to Evanston is you'd take a red line train up to Howard Street. And then at Howard, you'd walk across the platform to a purple line train. And the Purple Line, I'm guessing, is named after the colors of Northwestern University, whose main campus is in Evanston. And the Purple Line runs from Howard Street all the way up through uh, Linden Street in Wilmette. And during rush hour, it also heads downtown. It's called the Purple Line Express because it skips many stops on the way downtown. And then it loops around at the loop and then heads back up to Evanston. And by the way, another Chicago thing I just want to clarify, when people say the loop, depending on whom you ask, it means different things. It could mean the business district. It could mean downtown in general. I'll tell you what it really means. The loop in Chicago is called that because that's where the elevated trains actually make a loop in the middle of downtown. And the loop is bordered by Van Buren Street on the south, Wabash Avenue on the east, Lake Street on the north and Wells Street on the west. It's a pretty small section of downtown. It's easily walkable in like 15 minutes. But that is what the loop is. It's so-called because that's where the tracks make a loop, and that's where a lot of the trains turn around to head back in another direction. Red Line doesn't do that, though. It's, it's on the subway downtown. Purple Line does that, though. But anyway, the holiday train was scheduled to stop at our Red Line stop at 4.02 p.m., Perfect. Gives us plenty of time. But the thing about the holiday train is that it's often delayed because they do allow people to take pictures at at the stops. Uh, If they want to take a picture of Santa Claus or whatever, they'll do that. They'll hold the train for a minute or two. So that, and given how far north in the city we live, there's a little bit of a delay at each little stop, which means that by the time it got to us, we were waiting like well over half an hour from the scheduled arrival time, but we did, we got on it and it was just so cool. Just how they deck it out. They have lights all over the place inside and outside the train. And what they do now is because it's such a popular thing, people drive in from the suburbs to ride this thing. They now have kind of an overflow train that comes behind it that they call it the uh, elves workshop train or something. 
It's not quite as glitzy and snazzy as Santa Express, which is the main holiday train, but it's still really cool. But we managed to get in the main train. And uh, on the way up, they were telling us this train is making all red line stops to Howard, and then it's making all purple line stops to Linden. So we're like, oh, that's so cool. We didn't even have to get off and change trains. So yeah, we rode from our main stop in Chicago all the way to the Davis stop in Evanston. Uh, General rule, if you ever have to take CTA into Evanston, chances are you're going to get off at Davis because that's where all the popular stuff is there. I'd still recommend going into Evans. It's a nice place to walk around, ride a bike, whatever. So that was really cool. That's something that Chicago does really nice. And it's especially really cool. Like I remember one year when I was working in the South Loop, which basically means anywhere between, say, Van Buren Street and a mile south. The holiday train happened to coincide with when I got off work. So I timed it just right. And it was so cool taking the holiday train home. It really helps just burn off the the Monday blah that I was feeling. It was so cool. Uh, and uh, we went out to Joy Yi, which is kind of a Chinese-ish restaurant. It's They specialize in noodles and rice. They have a bunch of them in and around Chicago. We went to the one in Evanston, and it was such a good meal. I remember what, what I had. I, I always get shrimp and sea eel fried rice from them, and it was so good. Oh, my goodness. And... uh they have some amazing shumai. It is so good. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And they have an amazingly huge variety of teas and smoothies and things like that. So I had a banana freeze, as they call it, with strawberry boba. And boba, in case you don't know, those are basically like little tiny Tide Pods, really. They're little round spheres. I was going to say balls, but I know some of the people who listen to it who have certain reactions to the word balls. So I'm not going to call them balls. I'm going to call them spheres that they just kind of pop in your mouth when you drink the, uh, the freeze. And, oh, it was so good. Ooh, I loved it. Can't wait to go back. We went to the one in Chinatown not too long ago, back in the late summer too, but that was uh, December 21st. Oh, and I know what I wanted to talk about that I think I failed to mention in the previous episode, episode 16, I believe, that the soundtrack to Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, I've talked about that before, how I have it on CD, and earlier this year, I tracked it down on vinyl. It was out for Record Store Day, but before I knew it was Record Store Day only release, they were all bought up. So I paid a little bit more than I really wanted to spend for a vinyl copy of it. And I was really upset with it because the record itself was not stamped perfectly centered. And in fact, side two played so that you could actually see the stylus go back and forth. And it really affected the playback of the music. And I was really upset by that. And I asked the guy I bought it from, do you happen to have another copy? He said, and I quote, I sure don't. So I was bummed about that. And then I found out from my friend Bill, who hosts the Atari Bytes podcast, and it's a podcast, Charlie Brown, and I will link those in the online bibliography at schnookpodcast.com, by the way. But I found out from Bill that they were doing another vinyl pressing of that for Record Store Day this year, and it would be a picture disc. And I had mixed feelings about that. First of all, I thought, well, this might be another chance to get a good-sounding vinyl copy. But on the other hand, it's a picture disc, and picture discs notoriously historically sound not too good but a friend of mine said well 
the thing is, over the last few years, they've really improved the technology, and picture discs can sound just as good as the regular records. So when uh, Lisa and I were in New Jersey for Thanksgiving, spending the uh, holiday with my mother-in-law, we flew in and out of Philadelphia because, of course, Southwest Airlines doesn't fly out of Newark anymore. So we actually drove from Philadelphia and drove to Philadelphia to catch our flight back. And on the way back to Philadelphia, we stopped and did a little meandering in Princeton, New Jersey. I used to work in Princeton, actually, just a couple of blocks away from the university. But there's a record store there that's been there forever, Princeton Record Exchange. And we went in there. They had the Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas picture disc, and I bought it. And, I, oh, I was so happy to see that that store is still exactly as I remembered it. I hadn't been there in literally 13 years, maybe even longer. And it still was exactly as I remembered it. And it was jam-packed. Oh, my goodness. I was so happy to see that. But I'm thinking, okay, I got this Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas album. It's on a picture disc. And picture discs historically sound bad. I've been burned by more than one record store day purchase. And this has to survive a flight to Chicago. So how's the record going to do once I get it home and actually listen to it? Well, I'll tell you. Well, first of all, I should describe it. Side one, the picture is the same as the album cover, which is Emmett and Alice. And I think the rest of the jug band, I don't have my copy next to me at the moment. I'm too lazy to go get it out. And on side two, the picture is the Riverbottom Nightmare Band pulling up to the music store. And something I noticed is that the sign doesn't say music store, but it says record store. I don't know if they altered it just for that record or if that's actually how it was in the original TV special. I'll have to check, which I will be happy to do. I'm always happy to watch Emmett Otter. So that's um, a piece of vinyl that I'm glad I spent the money on. It sounded really, really good. So Varez Sarabanda, however they're pronounced, they redeemed themselves with this release. Anybody listening to this who is in doubt as to whether or not it's worth the purchase, it is. It is. If you can find a copy now, get it. It is so worth it. Especially because technically, even though it has the word Christmas in the title, none of the songs are seasonal. They're all just normal songs. It just so happens that the TV special is about Christmas, and the book that it's based on is about Christmas. And there's another piece of vinyl. I think it was a Record Store Day release that I'd been looking for for a long time, and I finally got it. I found a copy on eBay, a little bit out of my price range. But then I got a notice from eBay saying, hey, we noticed that you looked at this record. Well, the seller reduced the price by 10 bucks, And I was like, okay, that's in my price range. I'm going to do it. It was the album called A Christmas Gift for You from Phil Less Records, produced by... Phil Spector. Uh, I mentioned that about a year ago in this podcast, that it's one of my favorite Christmas albums, and I did not have it on vinyl, just CD. And I thought there's one thing that I need the actual record for, it would be that. And I had heard really good things about the version pressed on Sundazed Records on red vinyl. First of all, I am a fool for colored vinyl. Just the color alone is enough to really super tempt me. And another thing, I heard, I think it was my friend Ferg, who hosts the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast and co-host of Please Stand By. I will link both of those in the online bibliography. But 
I trust his word because he has the exact same make and model turntable as I do. And he has the version of that album that I was looking for. And he said it sounds really good. So I got it. And I'm worried, okay, this is coming from a stranger off eBay. It's got to survive being shipped over to Chicago. It's got to find its way to the office because I had it shipped to my work address. And it's used according to the uh, description. Well, the description says technically it's used, but it wasn't ever actually played. I just opened it to confirm the color of the vinyl. So just this weekend, I listened to it and I, oh, I was so happy. It sounds perfect, perfect. And something I noticed about it is that, well, it's not uncommon at all for a vinyl record to diminish in sound quality as you get closer to the end because the concentrics in the groove get tighter and tighter and tighter. So that's like less resolution as the record progresses. Something that I noticed is that the sound quality did not degrade at all. I'm wondering if that's just the quality of the pressing or if it's just that, well, Phil Spector's production is so freaking muddy that the degradation doesn't even matter at all. I never understood why people go crazy for Spectre's productions because quite frankly, they sound like garbage. They sound, they sound noise reduced to hell. And I'll bet you anything that there's all kinds of reduction mixing going on, which means there is a tape generation loss involved. My wife describes it best that Phil Spector's work sounds like it was produced in an air conditioner. But the thing is, the reason that his Christmas album is one of my favorites is that somehow his production techniques work perfectly for Christmas songs. And so I just listened to side two minutes before I started recording this and man, it sounds great. Really does. So that's another vinyl purchase I just made that I'm super happy with. Oh, and it looks gorgeous too. The red vinyl. Oh, on that turntable looks beautiful, beautiful. And another thing that came into our house, a Christmas album that I need to talk about, something that we discovered thanks to, uh, you may have heard Lisa and me mention her in our previous episode, Terry Hemmert on WXRT. She posted on Facebook how every Christmas she has to listen to this album done by a gentleman named Esquivel. And his bag, in case you've never heard of him, I'd never heard of him before that, is he was a pioneer in a genre of music that is now called Space Age Bachelor Pad music. It's basically really super tacky lounge music, and it is a hoot. It's basically the music that, say, in the late 50s and early 60s, when the kids were in the bedrooms listening to uh, their pop music. Uh, I don't want to assume rock and roll because that was right around the time of Paola when rock and roll was really taking a huge nosedive. So you had Buddy Holly's death followed by Paola, terrible lethal combination. But what they were listening to and then what their parents were listening to at their little cocktail parties downstairs, that, that is what Esquivel does. And so he recorded a Christmas album, I think in 1959 or 1960, and it was never released until the 90s from what I gather. And it's called Merry Xmas from the Space Age Bachelor Pad. So Lisa listened to a little sample of it that was in Terry's post, and she said, we need this album. So she ordered the CD, and I ripped it and listened to it on my iPod on my way home from work one Friday, and I was just, oh my God, it is such a hoot. Ah, uh, here, here's a little sample of it. Zoo, zoo, tweet, zoo, tweet, 
goodness, this just cracks me up. I texted Lisa and I said, you need to drop everything. I don't care if you're in the middle of a class. She's a teacher. (laughs) I don't care if you're in the middle of class. Drop everything now and listen to Esquivel. (laughs) Oh, man, I was just having such a blast listening to that. And wow. As for what else I got going on this Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, going out to dinner at, uh, there's a place in Lincolnwood, Illinois called L period woods. I see the pun there as in Lincolnwood, <laughs> which is a restaurant done in the style of a Wisconsin supper club. And, uh, so we're going to do that. And, um, we're going to go to what many people would call midnight mass, except it's at 9 PM at a church just up the road from us. And, On Christmas, we'll go into the beautiful city of Crest Hill, Illinois, just abutting the city of Joliet, and uh, spend the day with my parents. Uh, For various reasons, both work and an upcoming surgery, my brother is not able to join us this year for Christmas, so he had Christmas with my parents on the 21st, while Lisa and I were doing her birthday stuff, so unfortunately we didn't get a chance to uh, hang out with them, but hey, uh, we'll figure something out, and just veg out for the rest of... uh, 2019 really still on my annual christmas checklist i have to watch the mystery science theater 3000 version of santa claus conquers the martians start to finish including the host segments it's a tradition for me it's one of my favorite episodes and yeah so i got that going on and i know that lisa likes to watch love actually every year now and the thing about love actually is she watched it only out of curiosity because she heard everybody talking about it. She normally doesn't go for rom-coms, but she was watching it and I was in the other room. I think I was writing some code or something and I heard God only knows play. And that's her favorite song in the world. And she was in tears. I was like, Oh, good grief. I'm glad I'm not in that room. But yeah, this the movie ends with God only knows. And she was not expecting that. Specifically, the stereo version. You can tell it's the stereo version. Even if you can't tell the stereo separation, you can tell the stereo God only knows from the mono God only knows. Because in the mono God only knows, at the very end of the song, when the tag starts, Brian Wilson starts it. But on the stereo version, Carl Wilson starts it. In fact, here's the difference here. First, let's listen to the mono with Brian Wilson on the tag. And God only knows what I'd be without you. And now here's the stereo with Carl on the tag. So there's a different uh, timbre in uh, the, the Wilson brothers' voices there. And usually my wife and mother-in-law watch White Christmas together, too. That's one of their things they do every year. And I might join them because I actually like White Christmas. It's a, it's a fun movie to watch. Oh, my goodness. One of the most surprising things ever to me is that there was never really a White Christmas soundtrack album. Given all the songs in that movie and how catchy they are, they never did an official soundtrack album. Now, I know that Rosemary Clooney and Bing Crosby and maybe Danny Kaye did their own albums that had versions of songs from White Christmas. Which, when you think about it, might be a little piece of marketing genius. So instead of, hey, here's a record label getting one soundtrack album. No, forget it. They're getting two or three different albums with people singing those songs. So that's potential double or triple sales of people buying the songs they want. But just amazing. They never did a soundtrack album for that. Huh. Oh, and I got a really nice, uh, I don't know if I should say surprise because I was kind of told that something was coming for me, but. 
When I came home from work this past Friday, my last day of work for the year, there was a package from my friend and Pie Factory podcast co-host, Jim. And I opened it up and it was uh, stuff he bought on a uh, recent trip to Texas that he took. He went to visit, oh, I forgot the, the official name of it, but there's a video game museum outside of Dallas or in Dallas that he spent some time in. And he bought me a really cool t-shirt from there. It has the museum's logo on the front and on the back it has... Uh, the Red Dragon, I think it's, his name's Rindle, is it? Maybe Rindle? Um, <laughs> the Red Dragon and the lead character from the Atari 2600 game Adventure. And it, it's such a cool shirt. So I got that from him. And he went to Galloping. Uh, there's a really huge arcade. Those those of you who don't listen to my other podcast, you uh, may not know it, but there's uh, the world's largest video game arcade is just outside of Chicago in Brookfield. And it's called Galloping Ghost. They have uh, something like 750 games on the floor right now. But they have a swap meet every month or two. People sell and buy uh, video game parts and like, like maybe uh, home video games and stuff. And Jim bought me the operator's manual for the Bugs Bunny's birthday ball pinball machine, which is a pinball machine I used to play a lot of at uh, Underground Retrocade, one of the places I love to play games, uh, video games. I haven't actually played pinball in over two years. And the reason for that is that in summer 2017, Lisa and I were in Vegas for a few days and I went to the pinball hall of fame museum in Vegas and they have this one machine called the pinball circus, which is this mammoth monster pinball game that has literally four levels of pinball tableage on it. And it's just massive and huge. And you just keep playing it over and over and over again, trying to get your ball up to that fourth level. And it's, it's just massive. And that ruined pinball for me forever. I can't play pinball after that. I had heard that somebody had offered the owner of the pinball hall of fame, $150,000 for that pinball machine. And, uh, well, he was turned down. <laughs> uh, personally, I would have taken the $150,000, but Hey, who, who am I? I'm just a schnook. But now that I have the manual for this pinball machine, I think I have to start playing it again. <laughs> so public thank you to Jim for that. That was really awesome of him to do that for me. Really, people have been just so good to me. They really have been, and including listeners of this podcast. I've been doing this for a little bit over a year, and I'm just overwhelmed at the kind words people have had for this podcast. So thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And I don't really have much else to say at all. I just wanted to get some... Uh, something out there just for Christmas and uh, just to say hi. So hi, everybody. And before I go, just one other thing I wanted to mention. My friend Kevin Zerb, who is uh, the host of Please Stand By, uh, the podcast I mentioned before that uh, Ferg co-hosts, uh, Kevin is the other co-host, every year he puts together kind of an album of Christmas songs and he uh, has contributions from a lot of people. This time uh, it is called Christmas on the Train, and it's available for free on Bandcamp, and I will link it in the online bibliography at schnookpodcast.com. And uh, one of the contributors was uh, this schnook you're listening to right now. He asked for people to contribute, and I said, you know, I think I want to do a soul in. It's a Peter, Paul, and Mary song from uh, 1963, I think. I'm not a big Peter, Paul, and Mary fan, but I mentioned in the previous episode how I was one of three people that Bob Zach, the general manager at the college radio station where I went, he picked to um, work the Christmas programming with him. And 
I got turned on to this song during that programming and it just sucked me in. It's such a hypnotic tune. And I always wanted an excuse to record it myself. So when Kevin put out a call for contributions, I called it. And I'm not really happy with my vocal performance, mainly because I don't like my singing voice, but I'm like sextuple tracked on it and uh, have a couple of guitar layers on it as well. And uh, again, I'll link it in the online bibliography. Now, the artist name listed on that song is actually Scattered Frog, and I probably should explain that. Scattered Frog is a band name that I kind of discovered. Uh, I was driving to work, I think uh, it was shortly after George Harrison got stabbed in 1999. Oh, God, that's a weird uh, way to remember things. And I was pulling into work, and I had New Jersey 101.5 on my car radio. And the weather guy started to say scattered frog. And then he said scattered fog. I was like, Ooh, scattered frog. That's a good band name. So I kind of use that as a name identifying really any of my musical projects. I guess it kind of leaves the door open for like, if I have like someone else playing on it, but anyway, I'll talk to you again in 2020. In the meantime, you can reach out to me online. My email address is autobio at schnookpodcast.com. And Schnook Podcast is also my Twitter and Instagram handle. And I'm also on Facebook. Do a search for Autobiography of a Schnook or just go to facebook.com slash schnookpodcast. Also, leave a review on your podcast provider, like whether it's iTunes slash Apple Podcasts or whatever. Leave a review. Uh, I really want people to listen. And the more people I have listening, the better. And, um, yeah, have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, Oh, I was uh, also Hanukkah too. Today's the first day of Hanukkah. Something that I love that happens. I just had, it's a a random occurrence for me is I might be outside or walking home from work or something. And I'll see a station wagon driving around the neighborhood, like blasting music and with a giant menorah on top of it. I think it's from uh, one of the synagogues or something, uh, 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 some, uh, I think one of the rabbis does that. I'm not sure though. I, that, I love that thing so much. It always makes me feel really good. And I don't, I'm not even Jewish. So <laughs> I, I hope I get to see that again this year, but really seriously happy, happy, whatever you celebrate everybody. And if there's nothing you celebrate, Hey, celebrate just the fact that the good goes around, let it come around to you and try to accept it. A lot of people just don't want to accept it, accept it. You deserve it. And I'll talk to you again uh, in January. All the best, my friends.